This is Fritz Coleman. And this is Louise Palenker, and we're with Media Path Podcast. And you're listening to the FSF Podcast. The show where the suckers aren't on the under end of a fishing pole, they're at the end of this microphone. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt crewmen numbers 35 and 36. They'll know that when they put on the Red Shirt and join an Anchorman news fight, that they didn't leave their families destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has their back and what's left of their microphones. Our guests today are two people with distinguished careers in various forms of media. One is a stand-up comedian and a longtime weatherman for NBC's flagship LA channel, the other is the co-founder of Premier Networks, along with being a writer, director, filmmaker, and I could keep going on. There's a whole lot of tags attached to her name, but it's really kind of exciting. Now, together, they have created a wonderful show that I hope you will check out. It's called the Media Path Podcast, and it takes you along a scenic tour through books, movies, TV, other podcasts, and music, and all these different ways that these things intersect with our lives, and it's it's been kind of a refreshing listen. I've had an opportunity to check out a few episodes, and I strongly suggest that you guys check it out as well. So because of all of that, we are very proud to welcome Fritz Coleman and Luis Palenker to the, of the Media Path Podcast to the FSF Podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tim. We're happy to be here. Yeah. You guys do a great job. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. So first things first, we have a few in our audience who may not be familiar with your guys' show, what you're what you're doing on Media Path. So if you would, maybe take a moment, even though I kind of said some of the things that you were just doing, may, maybe take a moment to describe your show, what you do on your show, and what your content style means to you and your audience. Ooh, our content Please. style. That sounds like an essay question. All right, uh, I'll begin. Uh, how many I words? Thousand, five pages. Okay. A thousand, a thousand words minimum, you know, well, double you know what? Fritz and I have similar tastes in media, but you know, what we find nowadays is that, you know, you can say to someone, Hey, you should check something out and they can go to their phone and then, you know, reserve it or put it in their queue or whatever. And then if you like that, you can find similar things along the same subject line. So we can become obsessed with things and go down these rabbit holes and get super excited and, and uh, expert at various topics that interest us. And so that's the media path. And then we have guests on who also have their own media path because we're all sort of creating content. Like there's this so you know, there's this 360 conversation that's, you know, not, not only are you presenting a podcast, you're also receiving comments about your podcast and then you're responding to those comments. So that's what kind of excites us is that that this is now uh, an interactive conversation that we're all having with one another. Excellent. And I'll add to that by saying that Weezy and I have been friends for 35 to 40 years. And what has solidified our friendship is we have similar tastes in books and movies and what interests us, politics, pop culture. So it's fun to just extend that conversation that we have in our regular lives with uh, inviting people in from the outside and offering them suggestions. It's a lot of fun. So, I think one of the things I've, I've enjoyed now, I started off listening to your Ed Begley Jr. interview because that's someone that we've interviewed as well. And I thought, well, let's see what Egg talks about on, on their show. And and one of the things I, I enjoyed about that is, is up to the point where you actually in, in, technically started interviewing ed and talking to ed uh it wasn't that he was just sitting there you know while you were giving your picks and by the way the whole thing about uh comcast or not comcast but charter uh screwing over your your cable box uh louise absolutely killed me <laughs> i was laughing uh <laughs> with your switch to youtube tv i thought it was very funny uh because i had also gone through a similar thing with charter and you know the the hold uh what was the game that you called it hold wait and hold i think it was 
or hold and switch. I think anyway. it was hold and transfer. They nobody. Yes, yes. You gotta it. Do, it was. It was all. It was. It was almost otherworldly the way I was getting different responses and different suggestions as to what I might do to watch television from every single different person that they transfer. And then you'd have to start your story at the beginning and retell it. Like finally you're, you know, you get to a point where you're just screaming it into the phone, like some kind of crazy person, because they've just got you to this rage point. So that, that is why I cut the cord and move much fun. Yeah. You click on what you want and then it shows up. Yeah. I, it just kind of amused me because I went through something very similar. I also got an Apple TV out of the deal and I was like, after a while, I think I ended up calling Spectrum back and I was just like, yeah, I don't want your TV anymore. I'm just going to use your cable. Uh, but I'll keep the Apple TV, thanks. And uh, <laughs> that we had a similar journey. We should have been holding hands. Uh, <laughs> we were from across the nation. Okay. <laughs> across, yes, <laughs> that would have been comforting. But yeah, but I, I just I thought it was kind of interesting though the way that you you worked your guest into the the previous conversations with the you know your your picks and the things that you were were highlighting leading up to that point. You had mentioned a couple books and. You know, and you got uh, your guest take on that as well. So I just, I just, I like the way that you got the format of your guys' show and the way that that you, the way that you introduce things and the way you move into your content, and then with your with your guest as well. So, jolly good show needs to be checked out by more people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and the thing about Ed is, he's such an interesting person that has yes. had success. And his interests are so diverse. You can talk to him about anything. And he is the preeminent environmentalist. He was walking the walk before other people were talking the talk. So it's fun to go back and revisit all that stuff when people thought he was just nuts. And now the whole world's trying to get on Ed's train in the midst of our global warming. So interesting right. guy. And what I love about Ed, too, is that as, as, as much as, as adamant as he is, about uh environmentalism he's super friendly about it and like he'll yes. take you wherever yeah. you are and like move yeah. you a further along the road he's not militant he's just it's super sweetheart yeah yeah i was talking to him about things that, that my wife and i had started doing at our house and you know we're not super green but we're trying to be more green about the way we do things and you know and i was just very you know very similar experience and i was very impressed that everything that I said, Hey, this is what we're doing. He's like, Oh, that's just fantastic. I'm so proud of you for doing that. And, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, great job and keep it up and all the encouragement that you would have hoped yeah. for when, you know, instead of somebody going, well, how come you're not doing more? And, you know, exactly, exactly. You know, this um, a lovely guy. yeah, absolutely. So the two of you have a very broad experience with a variety of skill sets. So, what was a project that you guys have worked on that still means a lot to you to this day? Well, what I like, uh, I'm going to mention this for it because sometimes we we forget to remember it. But like I've been teaching stand up comedy to, to kids as an after school program for years. So, I, you know, I don't expect kids to grow up to become comedians. I just teach it as like a creative thinking, public speaking and kind of confidence and, you know, just to give the kid the command of like, I can, I can hold this space and, and I can speak comfortably. And it also teaches them, you know, to think in terms of like the things that were painful in their life, you know, turning it into a joke. It's sort of, it's empowering. And like throughout that journey of teaching stand-up comedy to kids at boys and girls clubs and at the Laugh Factory, you know, Fritz is always there. Like every time we need to put on a show, Fritz is always emceeing the show. So he's been there uh, through, through that journey. And we watched a lot of kids grow up and thrive. And so... You know, I like to think about that because um, 
it's kind of like testament to my friendship with Fritz. He's always there for me. And he's always there for all the charities that, that you know, he's involved with. Excellent. And, and our friendship goes back quite a few years when uh, I've done a series of one person shows uh, like four. And she was involved in the first two because she came to see them. And, you know, she's a comic and she had a great sensibility about how I could make it better, how we could translate it into TV. So she participated in my first one and produced my second one. And we've had a lot of fun doing various forms of entertainment. And uh, then when she did her documentary about the Cowsill family, we were uh, sort of involved. I, I, I didn't help her in the movie, but I helped her in the marketing of the movie. And it was a lot of fun. So we've, uh, we've, we've had various wonderful adventures in our friendship. Fritz is responsible for introducing Shirley Jones to the Cow Sills. That, so that was a summit. <laughs> that's a that's a good thing to have in your docket mm -hmm. all right so we've also mentioned at the outset that uh, some of the things you guys have both been involved in but we one of the things that we love are is on this show because we come into this admitting full well that we're all nerds and oh, yeah. we love as nerds we love superheroes we love comics we love sci-fi and all these different type of things but we love the origin story of how the person got to be the person that they are and so what we've decided is that on our shows we like to hear the origin stories of our guests because you are the heroes of our story that's why you're here so we would like to know what was it in your origin story that led you down the path of being in the entertainment field well, I grew up in suburban Buffalo, New York. There's no showbiz for miles and miles and miles. You, you kind of listen to the radio and you watch TV and you can sort of dream of doing that, but there's no access point. There's nowhere you could like a neighbor that kind of like cuts film or something. You know, you're just kind of on your own. So my, my thing was just sort of imagining that, you know, because I have an uncle that lived in Los Angeles that I'd grow, I'd, I'd get to a certain point where I could do an internship and live with him and, you know, just kind of like, kind of like putting a game plan together of how I would go about it, but you dare not spoke it out loud because people around you were becoming teachers or nurses or, uh, you know, going into their dad's business. There wasn't anybody that was saying I'm going into, into show business. So you had to keep it on the down low. And, uh, for me, what I did was I graduated from college, uh, it, at, uh, SUNY Brockport. And then I moved out to LA as, as if I was going to grad school and I went for a semester, but I was really looking for a job as a page because I had come to believe that that's the entry level position for show business. What is a page? A page is like a glorified usher, but you wear a polyester suit with a name tag and you seat the studio audiences that you hear laughing and clapping, or sometimes you see them if it's a game show or if it's a talk show. And a page is the entry level position for show business. So it, that actually worked for me, becoming a page. Okay, my origin story is, uh, well, the big bang of my origin story is that I was an only child and I always had an unhealthy need for attention. So um, I, from the time I was a little kid, uh, used to watch the Carson show at night mm -hmm. when I was allowed. And I, I just found that somebody being really funny and being able to think on their feet and to draw laughter out of 500 people in the audience at the drop of a comment was a, 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 an enormous amount of power for somebody to have. And I always respected that about him in a charming way and in a soft way. He, he, he could command the attention of this audience. And then when I got a little bit older, uh, I uh, 
went and saw George Carlin perform. It was the first time I'd seen a stand-up comedian perform live other than on the Ed Sullivan show and Carson performances and Merv Griffin and everything. And it was a religious experience for me to watch this man convulse an audience for 90 minutes with no notes. And I didn't understand the structure and the webbing of stand-up comedy. I didn't know that it's stuff that he had worked on a block at a time for years. It just seemed impromptu and off the top of his head. I, I, I felt like I was reacting to a television evangelist. It was so uh, uh, life-changing for me. And so that's, that's, those are really the two things that sort of steered me toward uh, the entertainment business. I was in radio for 15 years. I did top 40 radio. I was in uh, the Navy and I worked for Armed Forces Radio and Television for three and a half years where I got my career in television and radio started. And then I, uh, when I was in radio, I started doing stand-up, came out in 1980. And my stand-up job got me my weather job because my boss was in the audience at the comedy store on Sunset Boulevard and saw me perform and offered me an opportunity to come and do a weekend fill-in. So that's the circuitous route I took to show business. But it's always been since I was a child, I loved the ability to command attention in a room full of strangers. So, and he's good it. at it. I can see that. Also because, because he's lean, he wasn't going to take up a lot of the weather map. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you, we're ever tempted to wear a matching green suit just to have a floating head? Yeah, well, I did that for like five years in a row on uh, St. Patrick's Day, and then the joke got old. And I <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. No, those are both great origin stories. Um, I think... You know, I think for people who are, are are wanting to be part of something where this there's a story being told or, or there's involvement of a story, that there's something from each of your your origins where they can go, oh, I can see myself as that, or I could see myself. So, you know, as for me, I've always been the talkative one. I've always been the one that, uh, you know, was probably told. You know, I got those notes from the teacher. That uh, Tim's a great student, does really good. We just wish you would talk less. You know, I was always the one that was well, chatting. You bring up a good point. Another reason why we uh, thrive is that we're both storytellers. Reezy's a writer, a, a filmmaker. Uh, my my shows are uh, sort of uh, microcosm stories of uh, of things that I'm experiencing. So, being a storyteller is very important to what we do. So, you bring up a good point. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and I've always just liked to be to be part of somebody's story, hear hear their story, and you know, in, in other shows that I've done, like we were talking uh, pre-show here about my other, my previous podcast focused on forward, and, and for me that was I took a lot of pride in people trusting me with their stories and being able to relate their stories and things like that. So for me, that's how and why I got into this is because I wanted to be part of somebody's story and help them to give them a chance to amplify that story and, and put that out to where it could help other people. So, yeah. So even for me, just in some of the things that you were saying, I, I can kind of relate. So I'm sure that the mm -hmm. audience will as well. Mm -hmm. And now a word from our sponsor. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. 
From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. Welcome back to the FSF Popcast. Like Luis, you you also do things such as give advice, or I noticed in one of your bios you write for like an advice column. And Fritz, you've also been a comedian. So what helps you guys maintain your creativity? Uh, I, I just think it's kind of who you are. I don't think there's anything that that either, for, I mean, I can't speak for Fritz, but there's nothing that I need to do to maintain uh, cre- uh, creativity. I don't need to eat ginkgo biloba or whatever. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I just was born that way. It's kind of like, you know, I'm a drummer. So there's there's nothing that I need to do uh to make sure that tomorrow i'm still a drummer it, it's just who i was born a drummer so I, I was born a creative and i i just think that there's you know people that are born artistic you can't say i hope you can draw tomorrow son as good as you drew today because he's gonna draw that's what he does so and like you said your daughter is a storyteller like yes you can improve on what where your interests lie but we are kind of hardwired with certain interests or, or capabilities so he, yeah, it's it's a good question, but it's not. I don't worry about creativity. I kind of, I I I don't ever take it for granted. I'm grateful for it, but I kind of trust it. Interesting. Yeah, and I I agree with everything she said. Plus, uh, the the creative part of the writing part of stand up is fifty percent of the joy for me. I love to sit down in a solitary space with no noise, and uh, and penciling ideas and come up with things. The creative process to me is as fun and as rewarding as performing it. And uh, and it's just something that I thrive on. I try to do it a little bit every day for an hour or two every day. Uh, it's uh, It gets my blood moving every day. Okay. Yeah, Excellent. I guess what you're saying is like the creative output does require discipline. You can't just say you're creative and then never prove it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you do have to do some work, so. You know, if that's if that's part of what your question implied, then yes, you have to. I I always find it, it it's best to tell kids like you have to finish. You know, it's okay to have a great idea and it's okay to start, but you really have to finish. And mm-hmm. there's a there, there's a lot of people who have difficulty finishing. So just pick one thing that you're going to finish. You know, this month or this year. You know, because that feels great. Finishing feels wonderful. Hmm. Okay, excellent. So also now on your show, Media Path, you guys have covered topics all, all over, a pretty broad spectrum there from politics to pop culture to other podcasts. You have uh, movie and music suggestions, which uh, were all, also very helpful, but you have discussions and you have interviews and all these different things. But out of all the episodes that you guys have put out so far as Media Path, what's the one topic that you haven't covered yet that you're hoping to cover in the near future that, that you think your audience and other audiences need to hear hmm. topic that we haven't covered fritz i'm, I'm going to defer to you on this please we, we fortunately because we're we have a variation of topics and we're interested in anything and everything uh i there's there's nothing missing for what we've done and uh i i would just like to continue to to widen out and uh, interview even more interesting people, but not necessarily something different. I don't think. Am I right about that? 
Well, I mean, we're both really keenly interested in history. I would say we don't do enough about history. Uh, you know, I'm very interested in the relationships between countries and the history of the relationships between countries and like, you know, global politics um, across uh, decades and millennia. I, I think that's all really, really fascinating. So we could probably yeah. do a lot more on history with having more historians on the show. I, I would enjoy that. I would enjoy that as well. That would be a lot of fun. I know I was listening to some of the episodes and I, I really enjoy like the stories you guys get out of people as well. And, and and that's what we love too, is hearing those stories and the behind the scenes of things. We do too. We, we love it when there's an unexpected answer to a probing question, especially uh, from somebody who's famous and uh, you, you're learning a little something below the surface that you wouldn't otherwise know. And that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun if you can ask a question that they haven't heard before or that they feel inspired to answer a little bit differently or, you know, to reveal something, um, something that touched them personally. Um, because mm -hmm. like there's humanity in that. And that, like you were saying, you just want to relate to more more people so that people don't feel alone, so that people feel like, they're part of a community, so they feel like whatever they're feeling is universal. Uh, and there's there's a lot of loneliness with with uh, modern life, but there's also a lot of opportunity to connect. And so when you get an opportunity to connect and and to help somebody feel like we you know what they're going through uh, is is shared, mm -hmm. um, then that that's a blessing. Oh, agreed. And I, you know, I and I think that the audience too picks up on the authenticity of the moment as well because when you're having that moment you're sharing that moment with your guest and you, you get to that point where they're sharing something with you that maybe hasn't been shared before um you know i, I think it's not only rewarding for you as a, as an interviewer but i think it's rewarding for the audience too because they're getting to hear something and be part of something that hasn't been you know something that's been shared or revealed before and i think that's always it's not only fun but it's, it's also rewarding at the same time so I agree. Yeah, you know, like when you're watching a comedian, if you're watching a comedian live and they say something that you know you can relate to and that the person you brought can relate to and you start hitting each other, <laughs> uh, kind of that, that feeling, of, you know, across the miles of mm -hmm. like when I told the story about Spectrum and you had the same experience, like, like, yes, yes, testify. So <laughs> that's what we're going for. Yeah, excellent. You mentioned probing questions. What is one of your favorite probing questions to ask people? Um, I like to, I don't always ask this, but I like to ask about their first, the earliest childhood memory, because it's mm. different. You'd think it'd always be like, I grabbed my mother's button and, or, and, <laughs> you know, but it's actually, it's weirdly different. And sometimes it's something traumatic you know, that that's that's burned into the memory because they I was bitten by an alligator, you know, like, like I guess you'd remember that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, er earliest childhood memory is a good one, although we rarely we rarely ask it, but we do like to ask about their childhood. And and I, I think childhood is is fascinating for a number of reasons. But one of them is that, you know, we, we can live a lot of decades on this earth and, you know, and have our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s and, and beyond. But there's something about our childhood and like, you know, your parents are saying, don't worry, she won't remember this. But 
you kind of remember your childhood more often than you remember other decades. Like as you're moving through your day, Tim, I would say even watching your daughter do a thing, you know, you're more often reminded of your childhood than you're reminded of the year you spent in your 20s figuring out what you were going to do with your life. I mean, I think childhood is fascinating and what we remember about it and how that helped us carve out who we wanted to be in the world is fascinating. I know. And I think it's fascinating that you remember certain specific things uh, about your childhood and what caused you to have that specific memory over and above another memory that could be equally innocuous, but you just remember that. I remember when I was like four years old, I had a chip in the paint in the ceiling in my bedroom and it was a little hole. It looked like a little navel. And that hole scared me because I was afraid at night when I was asleep, somebody would pull me up through that hole. And it really wasn't that big of a hole, but I remember that to this day. I remember the exact emotion I had seeing that. And I guess because I, it was slightly traumatizing when I was a kid, that's why I remember it. But oh, sure. Yeah. I also remember we had a parakeet that I was definitely afraid of as well. Did you tell anyone you were afraid of the hole in your wall, Fritz? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if I did or not. I don't think so. Because it's such an easily solved problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe not no, to I a four-year-old, so. though. I don't think I ever told my parents. Just a little that. sanding and a paint roller yeah. and we're good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and that's interesting. Like the less, maybe the less you reveal about your fears, the more they hang on. And well, even stuff that wasn't fearful. I remember having a an orange pedal car, and uh, I had such an emotional attachment to that thing. And I can remember specific days of riding that. I can remember what it felt like to push those pedals, especially on a hill. But I, I you know, I, either pleasant or traumatizing things probably burn themselves into your consciousness more than other things. Hmm. Yeah. And sure. then, and then what's interesting is like, what reminds us of those moments and then to have a childhood memory that you haven't had yet. Sometimes we, we have childhood memories and sometimes we remember remembering. So it's hard to know whether or not we actually remember it, or do we just remember remembering or remember telling that story, but to actually maybe smell something that brings back a latent childhood memory is really it cool. Smells work really great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. I used to sing in the boys' choir at, at, at church, and uh, on on holidays we would do two masses, nine and eleven o'clock. And I was uh, a, a high Episcopalian, which is like a lapsed Catholic. It's a <laughs> not as committed Catholic. But we all we had a lot of Catholic celebrations, including the burning of incense during a mass. Now, if I go somewhere. Uh, like a restaurant and they're burning incense, I flash back on those church experiences immediately. So smell oh, is a very strong uh, memory trigger, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's so interesting. And, and who knows it's, it's, why? It's kind of interesting for me. So when I, when my, uh, in my early, early childhood, the town that Nick lives in right now, we didn't, I didn't know his family back then or anything else, but we, I lived there till I was about five years old. And the house that we lived in, like I can still to this day sit down with a pen and paper and I can draw you the layout of the house perfectly. I yeah. haven't been there since I was four, almost five. Really? I can tell you, yeah, I can draw the entire layout of that house. And I, I remember everything of that house so perfectly crystal clear because there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on in my, in my early young, 
childhood but and i think what fritz was saying you know whether it's traumatizing or it's it's a good memory and it was a mixture of a little bit of both but mm -hmm. i have very clear memories and distinct memories of that house so i have like my my older sister didn't believe me and so i sat down with a pen and paper and i and i drew i drew out the downstairs for her and then i drew out the the upstairs and i retold her about <laughs> you know because in her closet in her bedroom like if you walked up the stairways which was had a little bit of a curve and you get to the top her bedroom was down the hallway to this, this that went broke off to the left off the main hallway. And I would play in the windowsill of her closet there. Her closet had a window in it. And she's like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know, but I do. Right. <laughs> I, I don't really know how I remember the house, oh, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like so we, have a, a, we, we moved out of a house when I was two. So there's a specific like age where I know that we moved out of that house and into another house when I was two. So when I have what, you know, what I call a snapshot memory where mm -hmm. you can remember yeah. where you were laying on the carpet, where the TV was playing the Mickey um, rerun of the Mickey Mouse Club, you know, where, where we would walk to get from the car up the steps and which room was in the front. And then the kitchen was behind that. The fact that I can remember all that means that I remember being two years old because we leave that house when I'm two. So interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing traumatic. I just remember maybe I remember one day of watching the Mickey Mouse Club. Maybe I'm not remembering, or maybe it's a collection of, you know, days where that transpired. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I just had a, a a memory get explained to me a couple years ago because I couldn't understand for the longest time. Remember in the 1970s, the Ford Thunderbird went from being a smaller car to being that really long looked like it needed a sailboat uh, and, you know, <laughs> you know, put onto it. But it was, uh, I just had to remember. It, so I, I always kind of thought those cars were cool when I was a kid. And I, and I never really understood why. And all I remembered was there was this big silver car that would come pick me up and take me to the park. And come to find out oh, that, was, that was my uncle in his 1977 silver Ford Thunderbird coming to pick me up and a couple of my siblings and take us to the park to go play for a little while. Transporting you to a pleasant experience, right? So you remember. Yeah. That. yeah. So I, so yeah, I remember the car and, and he says, we were talking about, you know, we were having a very similar conversation about, you know, uh, childhood memories, all these different things. And I said, yeah, I don't understand why, but I've always really liked uh, this, you know, like set, you know, like mid to late seventies Thunderbirds and Grand Torinos and, you know, the bigger Ford cars. And I said, I've never really understood why. And he pulls out a, a a photo album and he goes, maybe because you remember riding in this car. And I was like, oh my wow. god, that's it. <laughs> wow! I never associated it with him, you know. Yeah, but it was something good, and yeah. that's what's so cool about YouTube or finding things that we watched or music that we listened to and being able to listen to it again through your adult years, uh, ears or eyes, and experience it once again and have all those warm memories come flooding back and uh it, it's just so much fun to be able to read us like i'm i'm re-watching the partridge family and i don't know why that struck me as something to do but uh <laughs> you know when you watched it as a kid you watched it once and then it was gone there the airwaves and it was then it was that was it so you never think when you're when you're 12 that you're going to ever get to see this again and then there it is on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Watch the whole four years of the Partridge Family and look at it. We're like, wow, Shirley Jones is really young. And of course, when I was a kid, it was like she was the mom. You know, she wasn't 
you know, I think that's the whole nostalgia trip of like me TV now. It, yeah. it takes you back to a warmer, less threatening time in your life. And, oh, uh, sure. Yeah. That's, or that's just the, the ability to watch the kids on that show not be like big kids. You know, Keith and Lori were big kids, but watch yeah. them, what whatever actors they were having that those experiences on that day on the set and see it just through the eyes of more wisdom and, but still just maybe enjoy it differently. Mm-hmm. It still touches that. something in, in your heart. I mean, I think, you know, whatever it was that you loved as a kid stays in your heart forever. I think so. I think so. Like Thunderbirds. Hmm. <laughs> so we have a Facebook group of over 200,000 members. And yeah. it's just filled with memes. And it's memes of this fandom mixed with this fandom. Whatever you can think of, Mork and Mindy or, or whatever. But... When you are relaxing, what do you guys like to do for fun? Um, so for me, I, I you know I like I like music. I, I play the drums, and I, I love walking. So I I like to walk. Uh, and for fun, I mean, I guess everybody everybody watches shows and listens to music, but I kind of like to make things like make films like make little youtube films or make travel films um i love photography so i love developing the photographs in lightroom and you mm -hmm. know just taking my time on on little pieces of art that i'm not artistic but i can I, i'm fairly adept at photography and, and filmmaking and so i i find it therapeutic to just not just film things but then to edit them and make little creations that i i put on my youtube channel how about you, Fritz? I like, uh, I'm a cyclist. I like, I ride a bike for an hour or so a day. I enjoy uh, writing the comedy. It's very cathartic to me. I love music and I love films. So, okay. You know, at various days, at various times, more of those than the other, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever the mood is. So I got to ask Luis, do you ever walk and drum at the same time? <laughs> I'm sure I do. I'm almost always drumming at least in, in my head. And drums is a kind of instrument where you really just need your hands and it's some kind of surface. And yeah, I'm mm -hmm. steering wheels are, are a great I'll place. Say, I'm a hell of a <laughs> steering wheel drummer, but yeah, not much past that. All right, guys, it's time for our final silly question. All right. What fictional character do you identify with the most? Hmm. Fictional. Hmm. Well, I guess I, a lot of girls probably say Scout from To Kill a Mocking Girl. Oh, that's a good one. I say Scout because she's kind of a tomboy and because she's she's full of wonder and um, acceptance and love and a yearning to understand the, the world and the people around her like she's open and mm -hmm. so I, I love that about scout mm. okay tom sawyer for me <laughs> all right tom sawyer impish troublemaker creative troublemaker <laughs> great manipulator of adults you know so yeah i i think for me if i was answering that i have to say han solo Probably for this, oh, you're going big. 
yeah many of the same reasons that uh you just said for tom sawyer so um <laughs> and with a dash of sarcasm because if you ask my wife sarcasm is my secondary language ah so. and nick That's great. i love it. i love it. i i i would like to go with Sherlock, but I don't want to think of myself as a Sherlock <laughs> necessarily. Uh, I mean, he is a problem kind of, solver. I, I, I do tend to be a problem solver. Um, there's been a few times where I've used some deductive reasoning and people were like, oh my God, are you psychic? <laughs> <laughs> and like there was one time in the restaurant I was working at and uh the lady came in, she had a card. I could see through the envelope that it was a birthday card and it had the whoever's person, whoever the lady that she was waiting for. Well, she also had a work ID on. So I knew both their names and I, and like she was wearing like a coffee shirt and like the other girl had a keychain that looked newer than the rest. So I was like, so how was your trip from Florida? Since we're celebrating your birthday, Kim, what would you guys like to drink? Oh Something God. maybe with like coffee? And they were like, yes. Wow. <laughs> That's so, pretty cool. You'd yeah. be good in one of those escape rooms. Do you have escape rooms in Michigan? <laughs> yes, and I love them. My daughter used to work at those and she did it because she was enamored. She was so good. And I would go in there and I was like, uh, the guy, you know, I, I was like her dummy sidekick. I never accomplished <laughs> that. But she was so good at those because she was a fast deducer of things like you are, apparently. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I would it's just be like, smart. It's can I shoot smart. that? Can I shoot that? Can we break that down? Can we go through that wall? No, no. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, Fritz and Louise, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you guys and your works? Uh, so my name is Louise Palanker, and I'm all over social media with that name, which is an unusual name. So you won't mistake me for uh, any other people with similar names. And it's the same for Fritz Coleman. I mean, his, his name has been hijacked a little bit. So make sure that you have, because he's a famous guy in LA, but so make sure you have on Twitter, the Fritz Coleman, right, right Fritz? real fritz coleman no i think it's anyway anyway yeah. media path podcast is where you can find us all across social media it, sometimes we're media path pod but you can go to mediapathpodcast.com and that'll be your directory to all things media path podcast but we're on apple uh podcast we're on spotify we're, we're on wherever you stitcher wherever you go overcast wherever you go to get your podcast we're there and uh we'd love to get to know you better excellent we will make sure we put some of those links in our description so that our listeners can check them out thank you so much we appreciate right. it. it was a great conversation guys i enjoyed that you asked a lot of good questions yeah you thank did you. thank you all right we also just want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show to continue to grow so that we get more amazing guests like fritz and louise here today from media path podcast to come and share some stories and some laughs with us so please subscribe it helps out more than we can ever really tell you and be sure to check out media path podcast as well you can go to their website mediapathpodcast.com and uh, you can find out more about their show from there but for whatever reason if you are not happy with the content of our show today Please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department, Thor, the God of Thunder. He will need at least three <laughs> copies of your complaint written in perfect Asgardian because his brother, Loki, the God of Mischief, keeps taking his reports and turning them into frogs.
<laughs> but once he sees your complaint, he'll bring a low pressure system coming in from the west and causing some unseasonably wet weather for a few days. So don't forget your umbrellas and galoshes. Because once you hear the thunder roll, well, as Loki puts it so eloquently, you won't be particularly fond of what happens next. Wow. <laughs> you have been warned. That was impressive. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Luis and Fritz. Be safe. Continued success to you. Thank you. All Take right. care. Bye-bye. All right. Goodbye. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF Podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF Podcast. Or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.